The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. That will include medically necessary and elective procedures. All patients, visitors, vendors, staff, and physicians entering our facilities will have their temperature checked with an infrared thermometer upon arrival. Individuals will also be asked screening questions about COVID-19 symptoms per CDC guidelines. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up and 27 down for Teasley! The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions! Patriots win another Atlantic League title! Warning track ball! Done! Home run for Corey Aldridge! His third blast of the game! It's a walk-off grand it is gone! Ball game over! Series over! And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions! Somerset! On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to episode number six of the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and again, thank you so much for tuning in. A hello to all of our live listeners on The Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com, as well as our archived podcast listeners on SomersetPatriots.com or on streaming platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this pod wherever you might listen um, if you have not done so already because all of the help certainly does go a long way. On this week's episode, we finally have some breaking Atlantic League news to go over, which feels good to say, uh, including the surprising Wednesday night announcement from the Sugarland Skeeters and what that means for the rest of the league moving forward, plus... The Patriots have returned to practice, and we have the latest from TD Bank Ballpark. And our guest for this week's episode is three-year Somerset Patriot, all-star outfielder, and the newest member of the Patriots' all-decade team. It's the Easton, Pennsylvania native, Justin Pacioli. we got a lot to go over this week, so let's get into it. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Okay, so before we get into all of the Atlantic League news, just another brief update on the current Major League Baseball situation. We've been following the ongoing MLB negotiations for weeks, and unfortunately, it seems that little progress has been made. On Monday, the league proposed a 72-game season with 75% pro rata on player salaries, which when you actually break it down, turned out to be 50% pro rata for the regular season and a 25% increase if the playoffs are to happen, 
which remains a big if, with the possibility of a second wave to the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, the Players Association was not keen on this proposal, responding on Wednesday with an 89-game proposal, down 25 games from the previous uh, Players Association proposal. This one included fully prorated salaries and an agreement for expanded playoffs for two seasons. The Players Association is holding firm on the fully prorated salaries, which I can't blame them for, um, but it remains to be the biggest hurdle in these negotiations. The owners do not seem keen on fully prorated salaries over a longer season, but the players don't really want to budge on this issue. Though the movement in these negotiations haven't been significant, Commissioner Rob Manfred did comment on this situation Thursday night during the Major League Baseball draft, saying, quote, we're going to play baseball in 2020, 100%, end quote. Those are strong words. But right now, Major League Baseball's best chance seems to be with Manfred's power, stemming from a March 26th agreement with the Players Association to implement a schedule at a length of his choosing as long as the players' salaries are fully prorated over that length. That situation, though, uh, would likely leave us at a schedule between 48 to maybe as many as 60 games. Uh, So still a smaller schedule than the players would like. So ultimately, we'll see and we'll continue to follow the progress on how these negotiations move forward. All right, Atlantic League time. Finally, we are seeing a bit of movement from teams around the Atlantic League on how everyone wants to move forward. First bit of news, though, we need to address Wednesday's announcement from the Sugarland Skeeters. Basically, the Skeeters announced that they will not be participating in a 2020 season in the Atlantic League and instead will be hosting a four-team league at their home ballpark, Constellation Field, consisting of local baseball players, all major or minor league free agents of varying experience. According to the Skeeters, Their season will begin on July 3rd and run through August 23rd, with each team set to play 28 games, totaling 56 games over that stretch. Uh, They go on to list that their current manager, Pete Incavilia, and the father-son duo of Roger and Kobe Clemens, those are two of the four managers in their announced league so far. Uh, Skeeter's owner, Kevin Zalotnik, was quoted as saying, quote, We've always prided ourselves on being an organization that gives players another chance. Uh, Given the unfortunate releases of hundreds of minor league players over the last few weeks, we realized there was a major need for a league like this. Already, we've received commitments from guys with great resumes, former major leaguers, former first rounders, and high caliber prospects. I know people are going to be really impressed with the quality of play. Their plan right now is to play one game Tuesday, one game Thursday, and one game Friday night uh, with double headers each week on Saturday and Sunday, totaling seven games a week at Constellation Field. Um, all right, so there's a, there's a bunch of info in there. Uh, first, from a league perspective, whoa, uh, that's to quote uh, Mike Ashmore as well, whoa, this announcement seemed to come basically out of nowhere and came before the league itself weighed in, which is substantial. Uh, But it does make some sense when you strip down the idea a bit. Uh, Though plane flights have mostly returned to normal, travel from the Eastern teams in the league to Texas was always going to be a bit tricky with the current situation. Um, With the way the coronavirus has continued to spread at different rates in different regions, it does make sense to try to keep play on a more regional basis. 
Plus, Texas is a treasure trove of baseball talent, and there have been a number of recent minor leaguers released by their major league organizations. So my guess is that the Skeeters will have more than enough interest um, and talent to fill out all four of those teams. It is important, however, to note uh, that the state of Texas has seen an increase in the coronavirus lately. According to the Washington Post, Texas is one of 14 states to record their highest seven-day average of new coronavirus cases since the start of June. Additionally, the New York Times reported that the day the Skeeters made their announcement, which was Wednesday, June 10th, that day saw the single highest reporting of new cases of the coronavirus since their first cases were reported back on March 1st. And the previous day to this announcement, so Tuesday the 9th, saw the third highest total. So point being, um, the coronavirus cases, all of this will be something worth following moving forward as this league starts up for the Skeeters. So what else can we take out of this announcement? A couple of things. One, Sugarland's announcement does not mean that they are out of the Atlantic League for good. It is just for this season. But there have been rumors of the Skeeters being viewed as an option to become a major league affiliate with the whole reshuffling of minor league baseball. So that in of itself will be a story to follow. But as of right now, the Skeeters are still in the Atlantic League for what hopefully is a normal 2021 season. Number two, you can pretty much put to bed the need for a Road Warriors team if there is an Atlantic League season this year. Uh, with the Skeeters out of the picture for 2020, the rest of the league can move forward with an even number of six teams. But three, and here's the big one, how does the league move forward? As of now, the league is still working to put together a season of sorts, but there are plenty more factors that need to be figured out. I can't imagine that Sugarland's plans were news to the league. I'm sure the league knew about it and it wasn't news to the rest of its members. Uh, but the surprise probably was instead the timing of the announcement and not so much the announcement itself. But look, playing regionally makes sense. I don't have any extra info, but keeping a season on a more regional level could very well be the way that each team in the league moves forward with the resumption of a normal season, hopefully in 2021. I mean, could High Point try to put together a similar setup as Sugarland did, but in North Carolina? Possibly. Uh, could the more Northeast teams like Somerset, Long Island, York, and Lancaster look to form a mini league of their own? It's possible. Uh, though I don't think that is actively in the works. Uh, maybe other teams take a page out of Sugarland's book and announce ways to host their own leagues in their own ballparks with their own local talents. So we, we don't really know just yet. But one of the overlooked variables in all of this is how to construct a full roster given some of the travel restrictions or even fears of some to travel. Also... Are players going to feel comfortable rooming in a hotel for an extended period of time? And what about the host families? The, the Patriots are not the only team in the Atlantic League that uses host families as a means for player housing. But will host families be comfortable housing players for an extended stretch, considering the amount of people each player would likely come in contact with? I mean, just a hunch here. But my guess is that if and when a season does start up, there is a good chance that the announced rosters for each team in the Atlantic League so far will look quite different to the actual roster that eventually takes the field. Either way, 
It certainly seems there is more momentum, at least towards league news, than there has been in really the last two months or so. The Long Island Ducks received support from Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone on their plans to begin play at Bethpage Ballpark, who said he would be, quote, submitting their proposal to the state for the fourth phase of the, end quote, of the area's reopening. And of course, the Somerset Patriots have resumed the practice with local players that have already been signed as well as other local talent looking to try out for some of the remaining roster spots. Scott Kelly, Justin Pacioli, Taylor Wright, James Puglise, Josh Almonte. Those are some of the local signed players that have participated in these practices, while others including former Patriot outfielder Zach Rakusen and the son of Philadelphia Phillies broadcaster Tommy McCarthy have been two of the non-roster local players participating in the practice, and there's been a number of other ones as well. These practices do not mean that baseball is just around the corner, but instead shows that the team is taking steps towards showing that they are ready to reopen. In fact, the front office is currently in the process of putting together a ballpark readiness plan, including videos, uh, for the governor's office to appeal for their ability to reopen. And hey, with Governor Murphy's recent lift of the state's stay-at-home order and his projected increase in outdoor gatherings to 500 people by July 3rd, it certainly seems that there is more momentum and optimism for baseball to return to TD Bank Ballpark now uh, than there had been at any other time since all of this started. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. It's true, the happiest customers in wireless are with T-Mobile. Visit a T-Mobile store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE to join today. And we're back here on the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. It's now time to talk a little bit about our guest for this week's podcast episode. 
And just a heads up that the interview that we used for this week's episode was actually recorded about three weeks ago. Um, Our guest is outfielder Justin Pacioli, who would be entering his fourth season with the team once the 2020 season eventually gets going. Uh, I actually got a chance to catch up with him about three weeks ago on a Facebook Live event. So the audio for the interview you're about to hear was actually taken out of that previous interview. That being said, Pacioli was a great guest, and it was an interesting time for him um, in his three seasons so far in Somerset. On last week's episode, we spoke with Alfredo Rodriguez, who played for the Patriots for 2017, 18, and 19, and those are the same three seasons that Justin Pacioli played for the Somerset Patriots, so we don't have to talk too much about what was happening with the Patriots at the time that Pacioli started, but a little bit of context for how Pacioli got to the team, and he goes into more of this in the interview. Uh, He was originally drafted out of Lehigh University by the San Diego Padres in the 10th round of the 2015 Major League Baseball draft, but wound up only playing one season in the Padres organization. He was with Low A Tri-City in the Northwest League as a 22-year-old. He then exited the Padres organization and took off the 2016 season because his mother, uh, back home in eastern Pennsylvania, was suffering from some health issues. So Pacioli took the year off, was actually working at a ski resort, uh, Camelback, in Pennsylvania during that 2016 year, and then eventually wound up visiting TD Bank Ballpark because of a connection with Patriots Senior Director of Merchandise, Rob Crossman. So that's how he was introduced to the team, and he wound up playing in 2017. And boy, did Pacioli jump right out onto the scene to begin his Patriots tenure. As a 24-year-old in 2017, originally his roster spot wasn't guaranteed, but he wound up getting some playing time immediately to begin the season because Darren Ford was with the team that year, and Ford was a two-time World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, But Ford wound up tearing his ACL, I believe it was May 9th that season, so about two weeks in. And Pacioli, who was the fourth outfielder on the team at the time, wound up taking over the playing time for the injured Ford. And Pacioli just ran away with the center field job for Somerset. He put together an insane first half of the season. He hit 345 in the first half with a 453 on base percentage, both of which would have led the league if he was a qualified in terms of at-bats. But he wound up being announced as one of, I believe, seven Somerset Patriots on the All-Star team that year. The All-Star game, of course, being played in Somerset at TD Bank Ballpark. So it was a tremendous first year for Pacioli. With the Patriots, he wound up playing 97 games. Um, he stole 35 bases, but his contract was purchased at the end of the season by the Boston Red Sox, and he wound up playing five games for High A Salem in the Carolina League uh, to finish off his 2017 campaign. He was then invited to Major League Spring training to begin 2018, but wound up turning down that invitation and instead wanted to come back home and play in Somerset. He's from Easton, Pennsylvania, so the Patriots are only about 45 minutes away from his hometown. So he wound up turning down that Red Sox invitation, returned to play with the Patriots. 2018 was another strong season for Patch, a 280 batting average. He stole 34 bases, was only caught stealing twice, and then more of the same from Pacioli in 2019. But before we get to the 2019 season, uh, I do want to make a note that Pacioli discusses the 2018 playoffs in our upcoming interview. 
And there's a very specific moment that I'm sure many Patriots fans remember. Game 5 of the 2018 Liberty Division Championship Series. The Patriots were trailing the Long Island Ducks two games to none to begin that series. Came home, won the Friday night Game 3 in front of an electrifying crowd that had the Andy Chavez uh, bases clearing three-run double. Um, in route to an 8-4 win. The Patriots won game four, got a strong start out of Rick Teasley. They got uh, home runs from Craig Massey, Mike Francoso, and Andy Chavez in game four. And then Pacioli's big role came in game five. He came to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning after Ramon Flores led off the inning with a double, and the game was tied 2-2 at the time. Uh, so a lot of fans have asked what was going on in that moment when Pacioli came to the plate there was a runner at second with nobody out, and Pacioli did not try to drop down a bunt. Instead, he tried to win the game with a base hit. And unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out for the Patriots, and Long Island won that ball game in 10 innings. But we got, finally get a chance to talk to Patch a little bit about what the mindset was in that moment, what was communicated to him, and what went into that end result. Um, so it's a very interesting conversation piece that we have with Pacioli. Um, but of course, as you Patriot fans know, uh, Somerset did not win in 2018. Patch came back for the 2019 season as a 26-year-old, hit 282 with 38 stolen bases, only being caught three times. And that is one of the big storylines for Pacioli's entire tenure with the Patriots. In fact, he's only played three seasons, yet Pacioli ranks fourth all-time in Somerset Patriots history in stolen bases. He's got 107 steals in his three seasons, trailing only Scott Kelly, who has 114, Michael Warner, who has 116, and Billy Hall, who has 209. So Pacioli has enjoyed a lot of success in Somerset. He's an all-star in the Atlantic League. He's made the postseason in two of his three years here, and he was the most recently named player to the Patriots all-decade team for seasons between 2010 and 2019. So when we come back, it'll be our interview with Easton, Pennsylvania native Justin Pacioli. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com slash always. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. 
for taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. My name is Mark Schwartz, and tonight we're checking in with one of our local guys, uh, just about, what, 40, 45 minutes down the road over in Easton. It's Justin Pacioli who's joining us tonight. Patch, how's it going, man? Good, man, good. Wishing we were outside hanging out at the stadium right about now, but, uh, you know, hoping, hoping for the best, wishing everybody safe and hope they're well. I, I guess just to start off, I want to hear how you're doing. What, what have you been up to lately? You know, not a whole lot. Just trying to work out and stay in shape as much as I can. It's not, you know, it's not that easy with with not being able to go out to different places and kind of having to use what you have around you at your house and your neighborhood or you know some of the places that you can go. You got to watch out though. If Tom Brady gets in trouble. <laughs> you might be getting in trouble too. So you got to just kind of pick your places where you can go. But you know, trying to do that, stay in shape as much as I can, um, and then. A lot of video games, uh, you know, that's something that I like to do a lot in my free time is play video games. I don't know if a lot of people know that about me. Um, I'm sure a lot of close people definitely know that. Um, <laughs> but uh, doing that and then hanging out with my family, you know, as much as I can and, and doing some yard work projects that I never really got to do before and kind of learning from my father-in-law. He's a big handyman, so kind of learning some things from him. And we built a, a new front deck, so we got a big new uh, – you know, big new front porch that my wife wanted. So just kind of doing some things that I never really got to do before, but still wishing that I didn't really have this opportunity to do that, that we were playing ball. But, you know, here we are. I want to get into baseball, but but to start, um, there was some interesting news that came out during the offseason. A lot of our fans didn't know whether or not you were going to come back because news broke that you were going to take a job being an assistant baseball coach over at Northampton Community College. So I guess just to start off, because it's still kind of current, um, how did that sort of come about, and how was that experience for you? Uh, it, was, it was awesome. So, I mean, Northampton County Community College is right here in my backyard. Um, it's about 10 minutes down the road from where I live. Uh, my dad actually coached uh, here when I was in high school for a year. To, for, for a year. Um, coach Yaguez, who's the head coach there now, he actually ran a summer league program when I was growing up, um, when I was really little, and my we, we were actually a host family. So kind of oh. how we how we have host families now for the Patriots. Um, I was actually a host family when I was growing up. So I had a couple kids from Texas that stayed with me for a couple summers, um, and he was the coach of that team. He got the job at Northampton County Community College however many years ago and I mean he's taken them to the College World Series in the JUCO division and and he's done a lot of good things there and he we have, we have had a really good connection um growing up and and since I've been you know since I've known him since those days and uh kind of knew reaching back that down the road after playing something I want to do is coach I love coaching I love being with the kids I love giving back I like to teach and I'm just I love baseball so I want to kind of try and stay into it as much as I can. So 
when he heard that and he kind of knew, he reached out to me and, and, and said, listen, when you ever want a coaching job, let me know what can talk some things out. So I just said, listen, I still want to play. I'm still playing baseball. I still want to play. I still feel good about where I'm at playing. But I really want to try and get into coaching and get my foot in the door. Let me know if that if we can work something out. And he was all for it. Like, absolutely, we want so. Basically, when I did that, I was like, well, I can still do everything I need to do. I can still work out. I can still, you know, get myself ready for the season. But I can also start to learn some things, start to get a little, get my feet wet, get my foot in the door, understand some things on how the college process and the recruiting process works. And because that's, I want to be at the college level. But let's talk a little bit more about you and sort of the end of your college career and then uh, when you eventually turned pro. So, Standout career over at Lehigh, um, local university for you over in Pennsylvania. You wind up getting drafted 10th, uh, well, in the 10th round by the San Diego Padres. But I'm curious because, obviously, you grew up in Easton. You're a local Pennsylvania guy. You played college ball at Lehigh. You get drafted by a team out in California. And your first year of professional baseball, you're playing over in the state of Washington. Um, so what was that experience like for you? Just jumping, you know, headfirst into pro ball. So when my whole kind of scouting started growing throughout the college process and stuff throughout when I started to gain some recognition, um, it was a lot of East coast. It was a lot of Red Sox. It was a lot of, you know, the Mets. It was a lot of, but then, you know, you threw in your Seattle Mariners, you threw in the Padres, you threw in some of the Diamondbacks. And now I'm like, oh, it's, it's all over. So who knows? So then when it kind of got closer to, to the end of the college season, the Padres really started to strike a lot of interest. And so when I woke up on, on day two of the draft, that's, I woke up to a phone call from one of those scouting um, directors who I knew. And he called me and said, listen, today we're, they were talking about you. Da, 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 this, is, this could happen. So I said, all right. So that whole day was just crazy roller coaster up and down. I mean, draft starts early, you go through all the rounds, last round of the day, five, six hours later, then it happens and it's, you know, then going out to Washington and now you're out there and you're like, now that's me, I'm, I feel like I'm in another country. I feel like I'm, I'm not in the United States anymore. There's, there's no Dunkin' Donuts. There's no, you know, we got all kinds. We got all kinds of different kind of coffees and all kinds of different Starbucks, right? It's it's Washington. It's got to be Starbucks over there, right? Starbucks. There was a uh, uh, something Brothers coffee that I used to Dutch Brothers was a coffee place out there that we used to get all the time. So um, the dra- I want to go back to the draft process just for a second. Um, you know, obviously there's not a lot of sports going on right now, and. For me and a lot of people, one of the really cool things that has happened during this quarantine was the NFL draft and, and following that. So for somebody like yourself who has gone through a draft process and been drafted by the Padres, I just what are the emotions like on what, when you're watching the draft and you're seeing team after team come up and make selections and you know, you're sitting down, you're surrounded by your family, you got your phone, and you're just waiting for that call. What what, can you talk about just what that experience is really like? I mean, it's it's surreal because, like I said, you work, you you dream about it, and for it to like kind of be like, hey, this this is the day, like, <laughs> but you don't know if it's the day. It just could be the day. You know what I mean? So you're not sure. You just think like, hey, this guy said this. This this could be the day right here. So for that kind of to happen, and then like I said, for 
I, like, I want to say five, six hours go by because you're doing rounds, what I think it was, two through ten that day because I think oh. they do one and one A. They so you were at the end. Day. So you were at the so, end. Yeah, so it was two through ten. So it was, like I said, five the whole day. I'm sitting in front of my computer. <laughs> we got it on the TV because they two the second day, two through ten, they actually had the the guys talking on MLB Network. Like It wasn't just the tracker. Because then they do 11 through 30, whatever it is at the time. I don't even remember what it was. And they changed all the time. Um, so they did it that way. And then, you know, we had to, to spin up on the screen. And so to just sit there and watch round go by, round go by, round go by. This guy told me, hey, the, the, the Padres may take it. I'm watching the Padres go by, somebody else take it. I'm watching the Padres go by, somebody else take it. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> so you know, so then then I get another phone call after the ninth round, and it's from the the, guy, the same guy from the Padres, and he said, "Listen, they were just talking about you in the room. If they're gonna take you, he goes, I don't know what's what's gonna happen. He goes, but if they're gonna take you, they're gonna take you right here. It's gonna be this next the tenth pick. If they're gonna take you, it's gonna be right here." I, so I hung up the phone and I said, "All right." So a couple of things go by. So I also heard from the Mariners a little bit. Hmm. So the Mariners had to pick a couple of picks before the Padres, and they went, and it didn't go. Nothing happened. So I'm like, all right, well, that's not happening. If I'm going today, I haven't really heard from any other teams. If I'm going to go today, the Padres are going to take me right here at this pick. So I, I walked out to the other room. So now my whole family's in one room. My girlfriend, which is now my wife at the time, girlfriend at the time, she's sitting in there. And I'm in the room by myself, so I'm sitting there, and my phone rings with the call before it goes on, and then that's when it was just like, wow, this happened. All right, so you wind up only spending one year in the Padres organization, uh, that 20, what was it, 2015 season, um, playing over with their low A affiliate in, um, in the state of Washington, and then you come back to the East Coast. Uh, you know, there have been stories written, so a lot of, of our fans might know the story, but uh, the main reason why you come back is, um, you know, family reasons, the health uh, specifically of your mom, um, and then that eventually bridges your way into the Somerset Patriots community. Uh, so can you talk a little bit or talk us through, I guess, what the emotions and, and what that experience was like for you to, to get that dream of being drafted, play in a professional baseball, and then basically after one year have to put that on pause and then eventually find your way back with a different team. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, so going, kind of going back to where we were, going out to Washington, experience out there was awesome. Got to play with, I mean, now, hindsight, get to look, you know, five years, if, yeah, five years forward, Ty France, guy who's in the big leagues with the Padres, guy I got to play with, got to hang out with every day. Austin Allen was in the big leagues with the Padres, got traded to the A's. You know, there's there are a lot of guys that I got to share some really cool experiences with, you know, that I get to see now and be like, man, this, this, guy's, on, this guy's in the big leagues. I, I used to hang out with this guy every day. <laughs> um, so, you know, to kind of think about a little bit what could have been, you know, if, if everything went, it would have went a different way. Um, but, yeah, so my mom got sick, um, had some problems with her heart, had some things going on, had to come home. Then that's, I mean, chose to come home, I should say. And then that wasn't necessarily a have to. I chose to come home to support the family, got a job, was working, 
up at uh, Camelback Mountain Ski Resort in uh, in um, the Pocono Mountains here in Pennsylvania. I did that for a couple months, made some money. Once mom got back on her feet, that's when it started to hit. Like, listen, she's kind of back. She's feeling good. I don't want to, I need to go back to playing ball. I don't want to do this. Like, I can't, I mean, that, that's what I want to do. That's what I love to do. So Rob Crossman, who we know, you know, the Crossman family, um, they're actually very good family friends of ours. And so I, I give lessons to Drew um, and Curtis, and my dad coaches in their in the, the program that they're, they're in for the travel ball and stuff. Um, so I, I've gotten to know them really well. So when I was talking about coming back and, and kind of looking for somewhere to play, I didn't know that Rob Crossman worked this for Somerset Patriots. So when he threw all that out there and kind of said, listen, I can introduce you, come down to a game. So I ended up coming at the, the summer of 2006, summer of 2015, I want to say, or 16. Six, yeah, 16. Summer of 2016, I, so. I came to a game and I saw them play and I got to meet John after the game and I got to talk to John a little bit and John kind of said, listen, we'll talk about some things in the winter and, and he kind of then you know, gave me an opportunity to come in as a walk-on, kind of, you know, try out through spring training and see what happens. I'm a year out of not playing, so, you know, and then, you know, the rest kind of fell into place. Well, we can kind of talk a little bit more about that. As yeah, well, because well, I, I want to start off basically right there in 2017, um, specifically because you've got a real nice jersey that's hanging up behind you. So you, you, you come into your time with the Patriots. I'm not sure how much you know about the team. Obviously, you know, you have the Crossman Connection, uh, who's our senior director of marketing, of uh, merchandise, rather. Um, but you come into the team, uh, you earn your spot, and there's a pretty good outfield that's already, that you're joining at that time. And I remember, I think Jerry Sands was on that 2017 team. Darren Ford, Jerry Sands, and Aaron Eggleston were the three outfielders in front of me. Exactly. And so Darren Ford... If, if, if not, if not, maybe even a couple more. I, I don't even know if I can even put myself as the fourth at the time. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there could have even been one or two more that were top-notch. There probably were, and, and I, I probably should have looked at that more ahead of time. But you, you brought up a couple of the guys that I wanted to speak about. Darren Ford, you know, a former major leaguer with the San Francisco Giants, he winds up, uh, what was it, tearing his um, ACL or his Achilles. Um, ACL in his knee. Yeah, ACL in his knee uh, about two weeks into the season. Jerry Sands has his contract purchased uh, after just a ridiculous start that he had. So you come in now, and not only are you getting a little bit of playing time, but you are crushing it. Crushing it to the point, I mean, absurd numbers that you're putting up. I wrote them down. Uh, I don't know if you remember exactly these numbers, but in the first half of that season, you wound up hitting 345, and your on-base percentage in that first half was 453. Both numbers would have absolutely led the league by pretty safe margins, but you didn't have the at-bats, so you, you didn't qualify. Um, but, obviously, you crushed it, you made the All-Star game. Um, so my, my question to you, after being out of baseball for a year and then joining the Patriots, and not even having a roster spot, let alone a starting spot, um, guaranteed. And you go out there, and you just take the league by storm. What was that like for you to just get back and, and to have so much success so quickly? I mean, 
probably can't even if you like I said I don't think you would have anybody not even my dad who's probably <laughs> one of my biggest supporters you can't even have anybody tell you that they would have thought that that would have happened after not playing a year of baseball I mean listen we're talking about just no baseball no nothing for a year no live pitching no anything and to just kind of come in and and to be able to have that success was sur- like absolutely crazy because not only to be at the all-star game, but like just to be able to be on the field from the start with those guys after not playing for a year, like you said, Darren Ford, two world series rings. I mean, I got, I got to learn and I mean, he's one of my best friends to this day now because of that opportunity right there. So to be able to, to learn from him and to, for two weeks leading up to the opportunity that I had, what, you know what I mean? Being able to learn from him, learn from Jerry Sands, learn from Eggie, learn from a lot of the guys who are, you talk about Guzzi, another guy who yes. taught me so much. I mean, you're just a lot of really good baseball players that got to kind of share and, and make me feel like, listen, dude, you're good. You got a lot of talent. You can play. You just got to do this, or you just got to learn to do this. or You know, and they just, they coached me as as teammates, and that was something that I was really grateful for because I could have got thrown into a somewhere else maybe where they would have just, hey, this guy's a young guy. We're just going to let him go, see what he can do, and, and, and then go from there. But, you know, these guys all took me under their wing and kind of taught me a lot that I didn't get to learn from not being around baseball. You know, you learn a lot from – how different college to professional baseball is. And I got to experience it a little bit in a short season in 85 games, but to be able to experience 120, 140, 160 game season without actually doing it, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain someone how that grind, what that grind's like when they don't know. It was a tremendously successful season for you. Um, you get to start in the all-star game. Did you did you hit leadoff that day? I, I think you did. No, I batted I bat ninth. That's oh, what I needed to be, but I played the whole game. That's right. So, you know, listen, it was awesome, for, especially for it to be in Somerset, the first season I'm there for, like I said, for how everything went, how the season went, and then for the all-star game to not only be in it as my first professional all-star game, but for it to be at your home stadium, like where right here where you play, it was absolutely incredible the experience my wife got to, or fiance at the times that she got to have and the, the the dinners and the lunch and the things that we got to go to and the people we got to share the experiences with was incredible uh, but let's talk a little bit about how the 2017 season ended for you specifically um because here you are you're having a tremendous offensive i mean and we haven't even talked about how great you are defensively but you're having a great overall season um, and then towards the end of 2017, the Patriots already have a playoff spot locked up, so we know they're going to the postseason, but you have a team call you, um, and you just said yourself earlier that you grew up being a Yankee fan and that Derek Jeter was your boy, and, and now you've got Red Sox Nation um, that's hitting you up. So I, what, what was that experience like to get the call from Boston uh, and then to eventually go over and, and play uh, for Salem? I mean, it was incredible. Like to get another opportunity for so for a team to recognize kind of the abilities and the talents you have or what you've been doing was really kind of refreshing to see and was nice to see. Just a quick kind of story: I got called into Brett's office that day. I'm actually in a pretty pretty decent slump at the time. Me and my dad just been kind of back and forth talking, 
you know, he's telling me, listen, if you don't start hitting, he's not he's, – just because you're an all-star, he's not going to keep putting you in the lineup. You're getting in the playoffs. My this, my dad's telling me all this stuff. And so, you know, he calls me in now getting closer to the season. We actually just picked up a new guy, um, Richardson, I think his name was. Oh, uh, Devontae Richardson. Devontae, yeah. So, we, yeah, we just yeah. picked him up. So I'm thinking, like, why would we just pick up another outfielder? Like, maybe, you know, maybe I just don't think that I'm, you know, I can't finish the season and, you know, struggle a little bit, maybe just in case I, I'm, I don't play well and because I'm a young kid, first-year guy, whatever. Brent calls me into his office, I'm thinking, oh, here it is. He's going to tell me, like, hey, we brought this guy in. He's going to be playing, you know, just kind of, we're going to need you to run. We're going to need you to do some things. He tells me, hey, the Red Sox want to sign you. I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> now, what'd you really have to tell me? And he's like, no, you think I'm joking? I'm like, he's like, no, I'm, I'm serious. They called me and they, they want to sign you. I'm like, no way. So then, you know, that obviously being at the ballpark for it to happen, you know, them out announcing it over the stadium and everyone kind of congratulating you was, was pretty cool. And a lot of guys at the time, one that sticks off the top of my head, and I don't really know why, is just Golson comes right gives me a huge hug, big hug, man. He's like, dude, you deserve this. Go get it. Go do what you do. Be yourself. Just keep playing hard. And you're talking about first-round traffic, a guy who was, you know, a big-name guy throughout his baseball career. Um, and played for the Yankees. That really, really kind of just always will stick to the top of my head in that moment. Like, after coming out of the office, everybody kind of knew, and him just kind of coming right up to me like, hey, man. And then giving me that little talk, like pep talk, like, hey, just keep doing your thing. And so that was awesome. Obviously, the opportunity didn't, wasn't necessary, didn't necessarily work out, I think, the way I wanted it to, um, as far as out the, the opportunities I was getting get and some things. Um, so kind of fell back into the hands of, of home here. Well, so we don't have to talk about that too much, um, but uh, a lot of our fans might know, you know, I believe you had an invite to go to, uh, what was it, uh, Major League training. Camp? Yeah, so you had an invite to go to Major League Camp with the Red Sox, and then uh, you ultimately decided to come back to Somerset, and obviously we welcomed you back with open arms. Um, so let's talk 2018 season, uh, another strong season for the Patriots. 2018 postseason comes around, um, and first two games are on Long Island, uh, drop both games. Game three, back home, sold-out crowd. You guys win that game. Andy Chavez had a big... Uh, three-run double. Um, Francoso had a big home run. Um, and I, Massey had a big one, too. And we have a bunch of pictures of you actually jumping up and down and celebrating with the guys. Because I think it was David Washington and Jordani Valdespin for the Ducks had that, did that jump. Early, did that earlier to us. Yeah. So we, we have to have a little fun with that, a little entertainment. Because, listen, there's, those guys are great competitors. They're they're great ball players. Have had great careers. So it wasn't it wasn't a a bash towards them. It was just hey, we can play this game too, you know. So it was they all they all knew it was friendly because we talked about it in between games, and they we all knew it was love between each other. But you know, it's the playoffs. You want to have fun. You want to win. You want to do anything you can to help fire your team up and get everybody involved and everybody going. And it's win or go home. Yeah, it was it was fun. I remember calling a lot of those games. And like the the Chavez double, I freaked out. The in game four, the Francoso home run, Andy hit another home run, um, Massey too. I was freaking out during all of those. I loved seeing the celebrations. 
But then we get to game five, back and forth, take a 2 nothing lead. Endy had a two-run single in like the third inning. Long Island winds up tying it up. And then we get to the bottom of the ninth inning. Ramon Flores, leadoff double. Uh, you come to the plate. The game doesn't go our way. Um, eventually wind up losing in extra innings. So I, I'm curious what what that roller coaster of a ride was like for you. Just trailing early, coming back, having a big moment late in game five, um, and ultimately the team not, not coming away with the win. Yeah, I mean, listen, like I said, it's the playoffs. So most times in playoffs, unless, you know, I've been watching a lot of The Last Dance lately, the playoffs, you're usually it's a dogfight. You're usually in, you know, it doesn't matter 2-0, 1-0, 3-1. You know, you're, each team's going to bring it. So nobody's going to back down. Nobody's going to go home quietly. So we knew after those two games, which those two games kind of a couple things can go our way, and they, they, they change those games around big time. Um, I know for me, I, played in, I didn't play game one, but I played game two. Um, and I went 0 for 4, but I'll tell you, it may have been one of the loudest 0 for 4s that I've had the whole year. Because I, I felt good swinging the bat. I had a couple line drives outs. I had a, a couple hard ground ball outs that if they one way or another sneak through and a couple other guys I remember have some big loud outs. And, you know, things just, that's baseball. Things don't go your way. So we knew, though, that we, we weren't far. Like, we weren't, it wasn't something that we couldn't do. So we knew going back to going home, going back to Somerset in front of our fans, with our atmosphere, with our energy, that it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a fight. And we knew that that's something that we have that, that's that's something that Somerset has that advantage over other teams in our league is our fans are great, especially that playoff time. You know, they're out there, they're loud, it's electric, you know, a lot of, it takes a lot out of the other team. So for us to go to tie it up and come back to too whew, we were having some fun clubhouse was real loose we were really having a good time and i remember i know you remember all of the you know shenanigans that we had going on down there i um, do we don't have to know. talk about those no we don't we're not going to talk about <laughs> ryan kelly if any of you guys no. you know love you all you guys think bro you guys all know we were having a good time with all that yes. um so but you know Game five, like, I, you know, obviously it didn't work out the way we wanted it to, especially, you know, a situation like I had coming up. Lead off double by flow. Coming into the game, halfway through the game, kind of my, uh, I think, it, I don't know if it was my first or maybe it might have been my second at bat, but I'm not positive on this. Um, you know, man on second, nobody out, especially a guy like me, a speed guy, a guy that, you know, plays the small ball role pretty well. Um you know, let's put a bunt down, right? You know, so obviously in that moment, competitive, when, you know, when you get that, hey, be competitive, compete, do what you do. I don't want you to bunt. Let's let's do it. You know what I mean? Let's go for it. That's what anybody wants us to be. A competitor in that moment, you want your manager, you want the guy you're playing for to say, hey, swing the bat here. Or like, have that confidence in you to be able to do something. He's, we put the, how many times have I put the ball on the right side of the field or, or you know, move the runner over that way? I'm a big, you know, right field, right center kind of guy. So, you know, that would be – all that's all I had to do was to, to just put the ball in play, put it on the ground on the right side. That's does the same thing. But if I get a hit, then, hey, we win the game, it's over. You know what I mean? So, um, but then obviously now going on the flip side of that, going and talking about guy that I've watched growing up my whole life – the guy on the mound is Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, who's one of the best closers to ever play baseball. Um, you know, 
probably isn't necessarily something that I should have wanted to do because, you know, this is a guy who never had the big league experience come facing a guy who, but for me, you know, I live in, I love those moments, you know, the, the underdog, you know, being the, what if, what if a ball gets through and I just got a game winning hit off of K-Rod, you know, like when I got deep into the count, K-Rod broke me off a slider, froze me up, struck me out. Look, I mean, we, we talked about it before. Uh, the amount of times that I've seen you, you know, hit a hard hit ball right up the middle or a little bit to the right side. I mean, I, I countless times. So, and I was, I was on the edge of my seat during those moments. And, you know, I, unfortunately it didn't work out. And I, I think we were all um, pretty, pretty bummed out. Because I remember how great a group of guys you were that oh, yeah. year. That was hard. I mean, like I said, it's never easy. It's never... It's never easy to lose, you know, or accept losing when you're really competitive and yeah. when you want to win and you want it so bad. But especially when you have that great group of guys around you. Such a great group. It, it didn't feel like it, it was a family, you know what I mean? And it that really made it hard and, and it made that group special. That'll be something that, like I said, I, I'll always remember that group. For you now, Patch, I mean, all things being equal, this would have been your fourth season with the Patriots, uh, which would have tied you for the third longest active player on our team. Scott Kelly would be going... I already know the other two. Yeah, well, Scott would have been going into his seventh. Uh, Yovi would have been going into his fifth. And then you and Kubiak are going to be going into your fourth year. Yep. But for, for somebody like yourself who kind of took an indirect approach to get to Somerset, uh, now you've become somebody who's one of our longest tenured veterans. You're on franchise leaderboards. Our fans all know you. I, I guess just to finish things off, what are your feelings towards the Somerset community? What has this place meant to you um, and, and the success that you've been able to enjoy here over your three years and, and hopefully more years to come? I mean, you can just start with the, the, the people who work there, yourself, the manager, all the people in the front office. I mean, what better way to be able to relate, you know, when you can relate with the people in the front office and you can, you know, interact with them and you can have connections and talk to certain people about anything that, that starts it all right. There is that welcoming and just being welcomed in with open arms right away. Like I said, from a kid who didn't play baseball for a year, didn't matter, didn't care, come play, come try it, see what happens. And, and, you know, it didn't, there's no judgment. There's no, you know, oh, well, this guy got this or this guy did this. Or it's, you're going to play if you play well. If you don't play well, you're not going to play. You know what I mean? And that's what I really love about it is, is the, they, a lot of people let the performance, like, we let the performance speak for itself here for the most part. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what it's about. And that's what I love about it. And the fans, like I said num numerous times, is they're incredible here. So why wouldn't you want to be? 40 minutes away in your backyard playing ball in front of on a very good night, seven, 8,000 people with some with great fireworks, with, with good people surrounding you with a great manager, great hitting coach, great, you know, pitching coach. And like, that's just what it's about. It's about, like I said, I touched upon it with that team in 2018. It's that family. You know, that's what makes me want to keep coming back is that family. Like, I, I talked about it a little bit this offseason, just kind of joking around, like, hey, let's 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 look up some other let's 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 scan the field a little bit. Let's see if some other teams and some other places want to get. And I had some offers. I had a team from Fargo 
um, in the American Association reach out and say, listen, here's what we got, this is what, da, da, da. But it really, it just, it's not, it, money's great. Everybody loves money. We all love money. But it's not <laughs> always about that for me, especially it's about playing. I love playing ball. I love the game. That's what's going to keep driving me for as long as I play. If I don't love it, I'm not going to be playing. Um, so I love it here in Somerset. I love where I'm at. I love the people. And, and I'm just going to, as long as, you know, healthy and the opportunities can keep coming about and I can keep help producing and I can keep, you know, doing what I can help do on the field and, and as much as I can off the field, this is where I want to be as long as I can. And that's, you know, that's a credit to everybody else around and everybody else who welcomes me in here in this organization with open arms. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance, it's NJM. The presenting sponsor of the Something Patriots podcast is RWJ Barnabas Health. You've been putting off going to the hospital. We get it. Be assured that safety, yours and ours, comes first and is embedded in everything we do. We're taking the appropriate precautions and using best practices to continue to ensure the highest quality care, protection, support, and comfort for all. With that in mind, as the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic in New Jersey has passed, RWJ Barnabas Health has begun to initiate a resumption of services. Keeping with the governor's executive order and adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. Get more details about our reopening at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. Let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And we're back on the Something Patriots podcast. A big thank you to Justin Pacioli for joining me to discuss his Patriots career, uh, even though the interview technically took place three weeks ago. Uh, before we go, at the time of the live airing of this episode, which is Friday, June 12th, uh, many Patriots fans are actually getting ready to head back to TD Bank Ballpark for the first time in 2020. Yes, it is an exciting time as Somerset is hosting its first ever drive-in movie experience. Uh, tonight marks the first of two showings of the timeless summer baseball movie The Sandlot, with another showing set for Saturday the 13th. There's also a drive-in fireworks show that will be displayed on Friday, June 19th, uh, which is already sold out. Uh, so there certainly seems to be a lot of excitement revolving around TD Bank Ballpark these days. For those of you who might have missed out on your tickets to these events, I can promise you that there will be more events, a lot of which are similar to these, announced in the coming days for our Central Jersey community uh, to enjoy all summer long. 
Lastly, a couple of team store notes. First, thanks to recent state executive orders, the Patriots team store will be officially reopening for in-person shopping starting on Monday, June 15th, including a 25% off sale for all merchandise for in-person shopping, uh, which is very exciting. Also, there is plenty of merchandise still available for purchase in time for Father's Day, uh, so be sure to pick up something special for your dad. All right, well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you may listen. Uh, It seems like there is a lot of movement going on in the Atlantic League these days, so stay tuned to this podcast for all of the latest information and analysis as we hopefully move towards baseball returning to Bridgewater. If you're going to be at TD Bank Ballpark this weekend, enjoy. If not, I hope you all have a safe and healthy week, and we'll be back with another episode next Friday. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. But the archived version is also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.